And now, here's your host, Alessandra Torresani. This is such a moment for me right now because I'm reunited with, you have a different name now, and it's Zaddy. Zaddy? Zaddy Haggerty is in the in the building. David, welcome. You are officially going to be a Zaddy. Congratulations. You know, I really struggle with this <laughs> because I am so excited yes. to be a dad, but I hate posting on the internet so much. Yeah. I feel like there's people that still don't know. And then right? they just shame you because they shame you about everything. Right. And they're like, I literally had a conversation with someone being like, why haven't you told X, Y, and Z that you're pregnant yet? Because it's none and of I'm your like, damn business. I just don't want to. Yeah. And they're like, no, it's about them. It's not about you. And I'll just like. Okay. So this is the official <laughs> announcement. David Haggerty is officially going to be a zaddy. And I want you to know, like going on that topic, which I really would like to talk about just for like a quick second, because I don't want this to be the like mom and dad podcast hour, but I just want to like touch on this for a second as lady is in the background crying. I'm now almost seven months postpartum and uh, well, it's been a journey to say the least, but what I'm going to say is Sturgis, my partner, my husband does not post on his social media anything, but he also never posted that I was pregnant, never posted that I had the baby, um, never posted that he's like now officially a zaddy, like none of that, because you know what? I don't think it's anyone's business. And a, a friend of mine is currently pregnant right now and she just announced it and she was getting so much hate. I'm going to do a whole episode about that from so many moms about things that she was doing, why she didn't announce it already. Um, and it's just like, it's no one's business. If we are really good friends and you're going to make an effort to like call me and be like, what's what's new? Let's shoot the shit together. Maybe then I'm going to let you know what the truth is. Like had a baby or I'm pregnant or whatever it may be. I just don't think it's anyone's business. And I am like, kudos to you, David, for sending everyone to emotional support to let them know that you are officially a zaddy. <laughs> I mean, I do what I can. Um, you do what you can. Yeah, it's just weird. Yeah. I never post about anything. No. Literally anything. And then people think it's going to be different because it's, yeah. I'm just like, I'm. it feels like. It feels like a production. Expecting moms. No, that's what you're saying. Like you've yeah. become the content. Sure. Yes. And it's just like, it's a weird world we live in. And I'm like, I want to have photos of my child for me. Right, and right. My close family, and like that, just means that the public doesn't see them. Right. I literally had somebody asked me today, literally like an hour ago. I was like, "Oh, we're expecting," and they're like, "You don't seem excited about it because you're not posting about it." Are you I'm kidding like, me? I mean, David, we know that I held that and as like a big secret <laughs> that I was pregnant for a very yeah. long time, but, but you like know, people. I, I and weird I weird being a dude. Yes, and I'll tell you, I struggle with it still daily. It was funny, actually. Last night, Sturgis and I were talking. We have this one friend. He's amazing. And he's like brutally honest about shit, like brutally honest. And we were like, he hasn't 
really been active on our social media lately, like on my social media lately. He hasn't really been like asking us to hang out recently. And he was someone that was like, never turn into the mom person. Like no one wants to see your baby 24 hours a day. Like no one wants to see this. And I was like, do you think that I offended him? I was like, I need to have a conversation with him and ask him like, am I posting too many photos about lady? Because (laughs) it becomes this thing right where I'm an open book and I'm, probably too much of an open book where I want people to know every single detail going on in my life so they know that they're not alone. But then there's a part of me that's like, I don't really want people to see this moment of lady or I don't want to see like show this milestone because mostly because I know what it's like being a mom and like your child not hitting certain milestones and you see other people who are posting and they're like, oh, my baby is three months old and it's like smoking and having like a martini already. And you're just like, (laughs) what the fuck? Like, how did you make that milestone? You know? Um, And so I don't- If my (laughs) child's first word isn't martini, I'm sending them back. (laughs) (laughs) I think that would be like the most brilliant. But I mean, that's literally like the thought process as to- as to where my mind is, as to like how every yeah, yeah. post means something. And I don't want to like offend the people that are following me just like for the body. You know what I mean? That are like, she's a hot bitch. Like, I'm going to follow her. You know what I mean? Like, it's overwhelming. It's exhausting. It it's like, where do you even start? You don't. That's the choice I've made. I guess. You just yeah. refuse to start. Yeah. I like hear you. Like, I feel like it's okay for men to do it. Right. Right. But like, if you're a female and have a child and you don't do it you get shamed oh are they like what's wrong with you the, and i'm like it's the mom so shamers wow insane yeah it's not your business and i think that that's what we need to remember is it's not our business kind of veering off path but staying on path here for a moment i want to talk about um something that a lot of people were writing me recently. Um, and I thought, what a great way to start off the um, the new year, um, the new season of emotional support, the new beauty in the brain, is people have been asking me, what is something that triggers you? Like, what is something that may set you off into a manic episode? And I kind of wanted to talk about not only just like the manic episodes and triggers, but like, what is something that scientifically we could maybe change like with our with our bodies with our food intake what is something that we can do to kind of always make sure that we don't get those triggers or if we do have those moments living with bipolar like us whether you're not whatever it may be what is something that you know scientifically you have maybe learned research wise that's setting these things off for us and what we could do to try to pull it down enough is that a weird question? But that's no. something I've been getting a lot. It's like one of my favorite questions in many ways. Oh, oh, okay. Um, wow. Yeah, but like, all right. So we're, we got to do the weird. We got to do like the weird deep part into science and cool. stuff that people don't care Go about. Go for it. Let me just frame it. Okay. Like most people, when they study, this is sort of like rooted in the world of drug addiction more than it is rooted in the world of mental health problems, but I think the two are actually quite similar. Yeah. Um, We think about people that misuse drugs as like sort of three cycles Mm. or like three parts of a, a, of a circular cycle, like your binge use, like people take a bunch of drug. You have the second cycle, which is like acute withdrawal effects. And then you have the third cycle is craving 
And then that drives you to take more drug. Mm. So like you go through these, these cyclical phases of for alcohol, you binge drink a bunch of alcohol. You feel like shit when you're hungover. Right. And then you get anxious and you crave more. Yes. And you just like do that. You do the loop. Right. It works like this for many drugs. It works like this for panic attacks. Mm. Like you have a, you have a really strong response, like physiologically to like the fight insult. or flight response kind of feeling response. Right? You go through that phase where you wind down, uh-huh. where you're like, you don't really feel anxious about it happening yet because you're still like dealing with the fact that you're coming down from it in real time. Mm-hmm. You're like trying like active coping mechanisms sure. of like breathing exercises or going to the hospital. You know what I mean? Like sure. yeah, you yeah. have the event, you come down from the event and then there's some long period of time before you have the next one where you feel anxious. Like, oh, is this going to happen? Right, yeah. right. A lot of people focus on the first two. Mm. Like drug use, drug withdrawal. Like you, it's an opioid crisis. There's well, fentanyl and in the also streets. We can what talk do we about do about food, Narcan? Right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Food, binge eating, right. cyclical like eating patterns, like all of it. I think the really interesting part is we we assume that people are no longer being afflicted by drug misuse or mm. anxiety when they stop going through the cycle. Okay. But like when you stop going through the cycle, you get frozen in that last anticipatory preoccupation phase of like you're somewhere after your last withdrawal, but somewhere also before your first binge episode again. Right. Like hopefully it never happens again, but that's like the frame that you're frozen. Right. And there's this really interesting world of research and like human what gets sort of like talked out to clinicians or amongst friends. Yeah. Of this idea that's called sign tracking. Sign, like S-I-G-N? G and oh, yeah, okay. like a sign that you would see on the side of a street. Uh-huh. Um, this idea, if you were someone who used IV drugs, the the sight of seeing a needle would trigger the whole thing over again. Wow. Like that would be the thing that initiated the crazy. So like even like going to the doctor or something, if you had to get a shot, let's say, like that would, yeah. tr- Wow. Wow. So the trigger that is visual, like I was an IV drug user or I drank a bunch of beers. And even though I haven't had a drink in 30 years, I walk into a bar and the sight and the smell and the Mm. sounds and the dim lights just like instantly trigger me. And I'm like, I must have a drink. Wow. There are like crazy stories of people who were formerly incarcerated have become sober that we're doing 15, 20 year sentences. They get out of prison. They go back to their home communities. And because they're back in that environment, that environmental trigger and cue, instant relapse. Wow. They haven't had a craving while they were in sure, right. prison. But because the environment changed, because the context changed, because there was some visual cue, because they saw someone that they've never seen in the last 10 years that they used to do drugs with or that would be a trigger for them, they instantly relapse. Like this idea of there are signs that could be physical, emotional, environmental that start the process again. Right. I think is is something that is poorly communicated because we always sort of just blame people, mm. especially people that, that use drugs. But like, you think about it, it's like, oh, like I've been doing really well. I've been going to therapy. I've been talking to people. I've been, you know, like practicing, you know, meditation and other yeah. self-coping mechanisms. And then like you have a manic episode and everyone's like, well, what did you do wrong? Right. 
It has nothing to do with the environment or the, the stressors or like the other things that you can't control happening to you. It's always, what did you do that caused this to happen? Yeah. So I think that like the sign tracking stuff helps pivot that. And to like wrap this fully back to the question of like, what are triggers there? We obviously know what like the basic triggers are, you know, like if you're someone who is bipolar, like there are substances you shouldn't consume, right? Like people that take drugs that are considered uppers or like make your heart rate go up and forces people to have manic episodes. Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't, fine. you know, what's so weird. It's like, but I didn't even know that. And I like yeah. living with this, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, like, think about it. Like if, yeah, it, I mean, if you take, yeah. if you take it, there are people that have panic attacks because they run on treadmills. Like the, the process of getting your heart rate up. Whoa. That, because it yes. links your yeah. body back to being in that state of flight or fight. They can't do it. There's people that like intense exercise will trigger panic attacks in because it feels the exact same and your body doesn't know how to like differentiate. And like, again, that's something you're doing. Like, right. And that's yeah. almost a good thing to know because like, that's something I did not know for instance. Right. Mm-hmm. So if I'm working out like crazy or something or I'm taking a dance class or whatever it may be, and I start to have a panic attack, it's good. It's, it's something that's informative where I can go, okay, you know what, what's yeah. happening to me is a false panic attack. It's really like my mind is being tricked by my body from the yeah. physical heartbeat. So like, I'm fine. Like, it's okay there. Don't yeah. worry. And like, if you're able to identify a trigger, I think that that is so helpful when it comes to panic attacks, manic episodes, just anxiety in general in life. I think that that's, that's yeah. great. So please go on. So, yeah, so I think that there are things that we, that sort of make sense physically. Right. That, that are triggers that will cause you to ramp yourself up or slow yourself down. Yeah. Exercise, taking drugs that are stimulants, like putting yourself in stressful situations that are like, you know, like, oh, I, I happen to relapse when I decide at work that I'm going to work for a hundred hours straight every right. week. You know what I mean? Right. Like right. there are things that you can do that will ramp your body up. And then you're like, you're not actively thinking like, oh, is this going to be a trigger for me? Cause like you think you're like, oh, I'm strong. I'm feeling good. I'm like in one of the better places I'm right in now. My so zone. I can take on right. this. And then you're like, oh shit, why did the floor come out from underneath right. me? And you're right. like, oh. But it usually takes until after you've calmed down to like look back and be like, oh, that's sure. the reason why it happened. But so like- sometimes I feel like it ha- and I think that that's right because I think that there are times where I'm like, I have everything put together. Like everything is fucking great. Like, and then out of nowhere, it just, it, it like blows up and I'm just like, but why, you know, why? Yeah. And it's really like figuring out like, did I eat something that would have triggered it? Did, did I exercise mm-hmm. or something like you know, because I'm not doing the drugs like, and I'm not, and I don't well, even no, drink, I mean, you know? So it's like, you wonder like, yeah. what could it be these little things if it wasn't yeah. the big? And I think that like, what I'm saying is, is like, you know, like, again, I will make it more complex because this is what I like to do. Yeah. It is usually, it is rarely the case that it's any single trigger. I mean, like if you're doing lines of Coke in the bathroom. Like, sure. Right. Like but you're like, asking what for you're it. saying. Yeah. <laughs> but like, you know, like, it I, it's usually the repetitive or like combinatorial effects of I'm eating bad. I have a slightly increased stress load. Right. I stopped working out because I'm too busy. The biggest trigger that we all miss is sleep. That That's people so just like think that it's okay. Like if you are not sleeping eight hours a day, you are not a superhuman. You are just unhealthy. Right. right. Like at the it, it just like. 
you know, like not to bring it back to the parenting thing, but like, you know, like in many ways for the first six months of your life as a parent, like your brain function is measurably like diminished. Well, you're not sleeping. Yeah. And they call it mom brain, (laughs) but I will tell you it is more than just mom brain. (laughs) Yeah. No, it's real. It's totally real. Sleep deprived. Like the way we tortured people was by making them not sleep. Right. Right. It's like, so let's do the math and see what happens. Yeah. Right. 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 So I think it's usually like people want to pinpoint it to one single thing. Mm. They want to be like, oh, I changed this part of my diet or I, you know, I stopped, you know, it's, it's still technically dry January, which is like my favorite misnomer of a month where people stop drinking for the entire month. I know. I never Um, did that. I like to do it in February because it's the shortest month out of the year. Ooh, I like that. So it's easier. It's easier. But I mean, like, this is the thing. Like, people, like, want to focus on individual life changes and then define those things as triggers. But, like, usually it's the sequence of them. Right, right, right. Like, you know, like, I'm like, oh, if you're not sleeping eight hours, like, you're broken. But, like, in reality, there are many people that sleep less than eight hours and are completely fine. But like if you're sleeping less than eight hours, plus the fact that you're eating bad, plus the fact that you have an increased stress load, like it's very hard to define what the trigger is, but it's usually the combination of all of them. Well, well, no, and and I'll say this. Not to make it more complicated for people, but like, you know, like people want a simple answer. They're like, oh, you're doing this wrong. If you fix this thing, you will feel better. And like, it's never that linear. No, no, no. And I will say like the perfect example for me is I have been feeling very defeated this week. I've been feeling very stressed. Um, there's just been a lot of, I wouldn't say it's like, I wrote depressed like online one day and I was like, I'm not feeling depressed. Like that's the wrong thing. I'm feeling defeated. It's like more like I'm climbing up that mountain and I'm like right to the top. And then it's like a goat shows up and the goat decides to like (laughs) kick me in the face and like push me down the hill again. Like that's how I've been feeling. And I've noticed that, that I've been, we'll use the word, triggered, um, you know, by a lot of things that will just like, you know, get me going, get me hot, get me spicy. And I, I've been having very angry spells, if you will. And I've been wondering, it's like, well, I never sleep at all because I, I first of all, before <laughs> baby, I never slept yeah. and I still never sleep now because yeah. of baby. So I'm like, well, that couldn't be it, right? Like, so I'm like, there, there must be something else. Well, my wisdom teeth came in. I was told I never had wisdom teeth. Suddenly they show up a week ago. Whoever and here we gave are. you that advice doesn't know how to use an x-ray machine. Well, what's crazy <laughs> is I had my teeth x-rayed like two years ago and it wasn't there. But what's weird is I've been They're reading up all there. these. I've been re- reading weird conspiracy theories. And like, you my know, I love it. Con- I love a conspiracy theory. And people have been saying, because if you breastfeed for an X amount of time in your hormone rush, like suddenly, like you become not an adolescent, you become a woman and it's, and it could be triggered by that, you know? So there's that. But like, that was an example of like, oh fuck. Like, yes, that is why I, I have a short fuse, if you will. Because I have mm-hmm. a constant headache that's not gone away. I have teeth up and down that are impacted, mm-hmm. that are going the wrong direction, that are just hitting the wrong spot. So it's like, and I try to keep as much of a zen cool as I possibly can when it comes to the baby, 
Um, so I'm like suppressing that emotion. And like, so if something, you know, happens to me and if someone's an asshole, like I'm going to either lose it and scream at you or I'm going to cry. Like, it's just, it's where I'm at right now in my life. Like it's where I'm yeah. at. And it's that panicky feeling that I have, um, constantly yeah. it's different things, right? It's like you said, it's multiple things. And like, I like want to actually push back on this. Cause like I try and talk to this, I'm in the clinic when I talk to patients, when I like talk to therapists like i like being in a medical school you get this like unique world of like i get to teach classes that doctors take so like you sort of you can like bias there like how clinical medicine is gonna be practiced even if you're not the one doing it but it's like for like this is like a very common thing you hear when someone sits down in therapy it is very usually like it's very unusual that it's like one specific thing in there Like it is usually this combination. And then like the question I, I try and convince clinicians to ask is like, I wouldn't argue that your, your wisdom teeth are a trigger. Like I wouldn't argue that being sleep deprived is a trigger. It's something ahead of that. Mm. Like you're responding to already being triggered in those moments. It's not like that was the first time you felt bad. Like you're going into these situations. You like woke up today feeling off. Yeah. Like yeah. you wouldn't say that today was the trigger. No, no. Like, yeah, it's when you started feeling that emotion, but it sort of right. happened sometime in the past already. So like we do this dance where it's like I think a lot it's of the been time, baking. Yeah. Yeah. That, but that's what you're saying. You like you falsely assign something to be the trigger. It's like, oh, I'm feeling bad. It must be something that I ate. Nope. It, 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 it was something that happened before that. Like it might have amplified it. Right. People being assholes to you in the street, like people like, you know, like having pain in your mouth, like these sorts of things, like make it worse. Right. But it's that plus some other thing that we haven't identified yet that is making people feel bad. These things on their own right. are, are their annoyances, own but they're not, they're not things that drive people. Do you no, think but like, that it even matters? Like, is it even relevant that there is like we figure no, out what the trigger is? Or do you think if we identify what what is causing the 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 root issue of it, that then it will be an easier thing to like go through? I'm like, this is a very Rick Rubin answer, but like it matters in the sense that it's not identifying what the cause is. It's the process of learning how to identify what the cause is that provides people. And I'm not like trying to be some like I'm like I am like a hippie weirdo, like sweat lodges in Mexico. Like I get it. But like, I'm also like, there is like, Zaddy goes to a sweat lodge once in his life. And now he's a hippie. <laughs> I was a hippie a long time. But what I'm saying is like, there's something about like many reasons for why the opioid crisis happened is because you are in pain. I can give you a pill. The pain goes away. Right. Like if you do that a number of times, like we run into a lot of issues, right? but right, like sure. this idea that there is some medical intervention that will instantaneously relieve your symptoms for some things like pain or, you know, like heart disease or insulin, like right. they exist. Mm-hmm. But the issue that we run into with like emotional distress, like mental anguish yeah. is that that does not exist. Mm. So like many people want the answer. And I could give you the answer. There are many therapists that like, if you record the first session that they ever have with the patient, they give the patient the answer. In the first session, the patient has absolutely no idea that they've done it. Really? You have to go through the process. Right. To get there. And like going through the process is the medicine. 
Mm. Like if you're someone who's like, oh, I've identified my trigger and you're still feeling bad, you are just fundamentally wrong. Right. Like you haven't identified right. it. Right. Because right. if you did, you wouldn't feel bad anymore. Right. Right. Like people you would feel be the relief. The like you would be is. relieved. Yeah. yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like people want to be told what the answer is so bad, especially when it comes to like things like mental distress. Because they just want it to go away. And then you will tell, you will like see people who are like actively struggling or coping and like not to their, like they don't know any better. Like I, right. I'm not trying to make fun of them. No, but no. Like they will try and convince you with all of their might that they have solved their problem. And it was this specific trigger. And now I'm great. And like you can see the pain in their face while they're trying to tell you that they've solved it. And I'm like, you haven't, you haven't done the process. If yeah. you did the process and you found the answer. This would be a much different conversation. We would be, we would wrap this up a little faster. Right, right, right. So like, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's not so much like, I understand people being like, what is the thing? Mm -hmm. It's sleep, it's diet, it's, it's environmental toxin, it's your food, it's the genetics that you have. Like, I can give you all the answers and in what combinations they might show up in. Right. And I can give you like a sheet that says like, this is what's wrong with you. It's not going to make you feel any better. Yeah, yeah. You have to engage with understanding when do those triggers happen? Mm -hmm. What are things that make me feel uncomfortable? When they start to happen, how do I talk myself out of them? Like those are the skills that matter. Identifying what the sign is, like doing the sign tracking behavior, identifying it isn't going to make you feel better. It's learning how to respond once you see the sign is the thing that's going to provide relief. So. I, I hear people, but I, I also love that answer, though. I hope like, that that can help a lot of people because I know it's helping me already. But that's what I'm saying. But it, like a lot of people that are writing into you have probably have a pretty good idea of what their triggers are. Yeah. So like, good, you've, you've done the first step. You've done the identification. Now, the second step is when does it happen? How can you stop yourself? What is the response that you have? There are people like, especially for people like I'll use the extreme cases again of like, you know, like drug addiction. Like there are people that struggle to stop. Mm. And like, that doesn't mean that they're wrong or bad or invalid. It just needs, they, they need extra amount of help. Like this isn't something that you have to do alone or isolated or by yourself or the answer should be easy to come to. But like, if your trigger is something that requires you to, to seek medical attention or talk to a therapist or make major life changes, those are things that you should do. Those are not things that you should be like, oh, I need to make these huge changes and that's scary. So I'm just going to pretend it's a different trigger. Right. Like you're never going to get anywhere. Right. And so what would you recommend for people to do? Like, let's say like an, as an example, like obviously you're not saying this like as a therapist, like saying it like this, but yeah. something that you would do. Would this it be is not like, medical advice, asterisks. No, 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 no. <laughs> this is just like, would you maybe like, I don't know. The first thing that comes to me is like, maybe write it down. Like when you are feeling triggered or you're feeling upset, like write it down. What did you eat? What time is it at? What was your sleep like? kind of journaling it and keeping it so you're so aware and you journaling can compare? Is huge. I mean, like, I don't know about you, but like my experience is like whenever I go, if I like, I haven't switched therapists in a long time. I'm like now very lucky. Like I have this fantastic woman who is like a, a mid 2000s emo, like punk lady Sick. still. Just like frozen in time. And I'm like, what? I love you. I want to bottle you up and like take you Make you a perfume. Not- yeah. <laughs> Respectfully. Respectfully. I like, (laughs) yes. But like, I I think that like the experience that I've had is like when I've switched therapists or when I started going to therapy, 
a lot of them try and force you to journal, not because mm. they want you to like write down your feelings. They know what your feelings are. They're like written across your face when you sit down, but like in a non-clinical setting, like we have really bad memories, especially when we're stressed and sleep deprived. Like the act of writing yeah, down totally. what you think your triggers are when they're happening is like great data to go back and yeah, look. that's what I was about to say. It's the data. That's the I mean, that's you, the science. You don't want to, yeah. but that's what I'm saying. But it's like you don't want to use like, oh, I had a panic attack at you know, nine forty seven in the morning after I ate Cheerios for breakfast to try and make any life changes. Right. You want to use that data to be like, oh, I had another panic attack and it looked similar and it happened at the same time. Yeah. Or you know, like especially like, you know, the the thing that and I sort of do a bad job at talking about this too. Um, and it's something I need to get better at. But like for women, like the hormone changes that you're going through on yeah. a monthly cycle, sure, it's very important to write these things down to understand if this is a, a hormonal imbalance. Right. Or like a lot of women that we're seeing that show up in the clinic from ages 16 to 26, it's the first time they're on birth control. Yes. It blows their hormones out. And now they're like, I don't understand what's wrong with me. Yeah. And they wow. show up that's and they're not even like, it's my birth control. Right. And, and that's, they, they that's have wild. no recollection of it. And we're the people that are like, oh, wait a minute. Like, are you on contraceptives? Are they low hormone? Are they high hormone? Like, are we pushing too much progesterone? I keep having panic attacks the third week of the month. I don't know why. And you're like, and you're like oh, if you don't journal those things, if you don't write them down, if you don't come prepared. Right not only for yourself, but for others that are trying to help as well with like factual information about sure. when these things are happening, what the triggers are. It's very hard for people to do effective medicine. Oh, absolutely. And I think that that's something that would have helped me as like for me as an example, like yeah. when I was mm -hmm. 15 and I was having, you know, suicidal thoughts and ideations and actions and I was not a suicidal human being, right? Let's say that. And I was being put on... Um, antidepressants, which were making my highs higher and my lows lower when I, when I was lower, living yeah. with bipolar disorder. I also was newly on birth control, like probably a year before because I had irregular periods. And so they put me on birth control and it's like, you know, I, I, I have such a hard time with birth control because I see so many people, like not only physically do their bodies change, but mentally, like that's something that's not talked about enough, how much it changes. Yeah. But at the same time, like I understand, like you don't want to have a baby. It's the easiest, best, safest thing that you can do besides wearing a condom. Like, there you go. Like, it's great, you know? Yeah. Um, and I mean, like, so I know, understand, like but it, it's got to be something that changes because it will, it destroys women. It destroys women physically and mentally. Like, absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, it's like, obviously hormones, those hormones then can be like exacerbated by birth control. But like, I also would like to note like physicians that were trained 20 years ago, were in residency, were in med school. The types of contraceptives that you saw were the 28 day punch out packs that yes. you would take by mouth with the five sugar pills at the end. Right. The majority of young women, people that identify female presenting, that are on birth control now are not those packets. Yeah. It's IUDs, it's shots, it's implantables in the arm. Those change your hormones much differently than physicians were trained on 
Well, that's it. interesting you say that, but though, because when I went into the doctor recently, right, the only options that I had for low, 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 low estrogen, yeah. like low progesterone, all yeah. of that, blah, 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 sure. um, were still those those packets. The I didn't have the yeah. options of other things. But I'm like, look, like, and it's like, you have to like, there's an additional layer of complexity on top of it now too, where people will get IUDs inserted. The the half-life to hit the maximal dose of like whatever we're doing, no right. estrogen IUDs, seven to eight months. So like people are getting IUDs put in. They're at the age where their hormones are changing. They're starting to have panic attacks. They're starting to develop eating disorders. They're like, and they forget because they're not actively taking a birth control pill every day. And then they're like, I don't know why this is happening. And like, it's a yeah. very easy follow-up question to be like, oh, wait a minute. I had an IUD put in. Like, oh, I had one of the implantables put in my arm for birth control. I yeah. get the monthly shots. Like if you're not doing something every day and you're like you trying to figure reminded. out what those signs and sure. symptoms on, you're not going to remember. Them. But I think it's like important to like, I'm making this point of like, it is important to journal these things when they happen. Yeah. But if you're journaling triggers in chronological order and then you're inserting changes in i moved apartments i you know changed cities i've been traveling a bunch i got an iud in i got an iud out i'm trying to have kids and it's not working i'm trying to have kids and it's working too fast like these sort of health problems that we can monitor without you know putting a blood pressure cuff on or like you know like the, the things that you are physically aware of that are life changes on top of what are triggers for me that make me feel more manic, less manic, right. more anxious, less anxious is like the most powerful tool that you can develop. Yep. And yep. it's something that you can literally do on the notes app on your iPhone. Like it is very right. simple. We just don't ever think to do it in the moment. Right, right. Now, I have a question for you, a follow-up to all of this. From the male presenting side, how can, you know, do we see different different hormonal triggers, maybe different ages through that, or things that we can identify and say, oh, well, this is happening because of X, Y, and Z. Like, we're able to easily say it with yeah. the females, with the, with the birth control. Can we say it with male as well? I think it's harder. And, like, look, like, as a research scientist, I will tell you flat out with like a very large like confidence that male especially teenagers are cycling hormones as well but they Mm. just don't have vaginas and they don't bleed so it is much more difficult to get people on board with this idea Mm. i think that it's very tough i think that a lot of it starts with education and like if you think Like, think about, like, being a mom. Like, it is is majoritively, I hear I am running into, like, old world thinking. But, like, the the way that I think has been conceptualized, the way that's still written about in textbooks, like, the cultural and societal expectation is that mothers speak to their daughters about hormone changes and, and, like, like becoming feminine. Right. But like, has, and like stereotypically, has any father had a conversation with their son about something similar? I mean, I don't know. It, it's Maybe about my dad. women, but like not about yeah men going, going through, through changes. puberty right. 
in a way that doesn't involve growing like genital hairs and like literally quote air quotes, like having your balls drop. Right. Like other than that, that is like the extent of that conversation. I'm like, Oh, like why do you think it is that most 14 to 18 year olds are the first time they ever present with a mental health diagnosis is because it also lines up with their hormone changes. Right. 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 And it's just like, Oh, boys being boys. Like you should be fighting. You should be like playing in the dirt. Like you should be doing things that are like manly and developing like a sense of masculinity and like, look like many people, both men and women, however you identify, whatever genitalia you were born with, whatever hormone imbalance that you have, the majority of them turn out fine. Like they go through this process and, you know, more than, you know, 70% of them, I'm just like pulling numbers out of my ass right now, but you know what I mean? Like a large majority of them, it works itself out. For the people that it doesn't, it goes horribly wrong in that age range. And we don't really do anything. No, we ignore it. We're like, they're fine. They'll grow out of it. It's a phase. They're developmentally delayed. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like just the the nonsense. Put them in the field. Let them play some soccer. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 I know. So I'm like, look, like I get it. Like this is why, you know, like as a, as a clinician, these opinions are my own, not my employers or the university that I work for. Like all the disclaimers, but just like, this is why gender affirming care is deeply important. And when I say the words gender affirming care, I'm not talking about people that only transition. I'm talking about people that choose to say the biological sex that they were born and are like cis, but like also understanding what gender affirming care means for those people. Absolutely. I'm not trying to like all lives, I'm not trying to all lives matter this, but No, but you're being a sensitive, real human being. Yeah. It is very important and something that we don't communicate, especially for mental health outcomes for people who are cis identifying to understand what biological processes are going on in their own body. Absolutely. And how to understand those hormone changes, how to adequately, you know, do mental health CPR and first aid for people, for themselves around them, like beyond being someone who undergoes like a menstrual cycle. And having to communicate like the like physical, I must deal with this. Right, right. We don't really talk much about it or use it as an educational tool to be like, oh, these are also when a bunch of mental and hormone changes are about to occur. Right. And here's how you prepare for them as well. And here's how we do it. It's like one of the few physical signals that you get from a body that like a bunch of things are about to change and like we sort of just squander. Yeah. Because like people are afraid to talk about it. And I'm like, this is such a waste like people are out here looking for triggers. I'm like, here's the obvious. You're like, one. hello, right here. Like it's happening. Yeah. 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 Have your boobs doubled in size? Like maybe something's gonna happen. Maybe something's about to happen. Like, and enjoy if they did double in size. It means they're gonna be really fun. Um, really fun to play with. I mean, David, here we are, you know like I- back, like like nothing, nothing's no time has passed. No babies come. Like. No. Oh, it has been a minute. I've lived in like three different cities since I mean, we last talked. I'm all over the place. Literally, like so many cities, so many children being born, about to be born. Just one. Just one. No, I had a child. Please, please I just had a one. child. I'm talking and you about having one. So there are children. There are two. But what's exciting is 
Here we are answering questions. So I think we just want to let everyone know who's listening right now. We hope you've enjoyed this conversation. We're going to be doing these a lot, a lot, a lot. Zaddy is here. And then Zaddy's going to be on a break. Try and stop me. Yeah, try Try to stop stop him. him.